Well, thank you for coming this morning. We're going to cover a fair amount of territory in a short time. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, are the first of two Abraham passages in Hebrews 11. One could hardly expect to address the subject of faith without coming to Abraham. He is such an important Bible character, not only as the founder of the nation of Israel, but because of special designations given him in Scripture. For instance, James chapter 2, verse 23, the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. In Romans chapter 4, verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Do you realize that Abraham is mentioned 262 times in Scripture? Uh, that would make his presence pervasive in both Testaments. As a matter of fact, he is re referenced 74 times in the New Testament. And even in this great listing of faithful people in Hebrews 11, he comes up twice, which should tell us something about how important he is in the arena of biblical faith. The development of our understanding of his faith begins where the biblical record begins, in his life, and that is with an immediate faith. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Now you go back to Genesis 11, for sake of time, we're not going to read that lengthy section, but it sort of gives us a bit of a genealogy of Abraham and his relatives, and a couple of wives, and the fact that Abraham's wife is barren, is uh, attached to that genealogy, and the fact that Terah, his father, took him and uh, moved to Haran, and after Terah died there in Haran. In chapter 12, we have the rehearsal of something that had already transpired. In Genesis 12, 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I want to concentrate on a basic theme that underlines all the subpoints that we're going to look at today, and that's the call of God. It should never, ever be taken lightly. In both testaments, it's not an abstraction, it's not something that comes from nowhere. It comes directly from God himself. God called. And Abraham 
responded in chapter 12, verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. Now you might think, well, he was probably the grandson of a godly man. But you would be wrong. He wasn't even the son of a godly man. We know from Joshua chapter 24 that his father and his grandfather served other gods. So God called Abraham out of an entirely pagan environment. As a matter of fact, if we didn't have Acts chapter 7, we would not even know how this happened. But Acts chapter 7 tells us that God appeared to him, revealed himself to him. And what was Abraham's response? The scripture says he obeyed, he hearkened obediently. The word that's used there carries this strong implication that he hearkened, he listened obediently to the call. Because true faith always obeys. We cannot separate faith and obedience. That's why in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 we have the expression, the obedience of faith. Again, in Romans chapter 16 and verse 26, we have the same statement, the obedience of faith. In this particular construction, it's a bit of a present participle that seems to indicate that Abraham obeyed immediately. Now, I don't know all the implications of that immediacy from Ur of the Chaldees to Haran to Canaan, but the point is that the response in his heart was immediate. Spurgeon said, Faith is the fountain, the foundation, and the fosterer of obedience. When God speaks, do you listen? When God calls, do you obey? Abraham did. And then we have his implicit faith. He went out, not knowing whither he went. And frankly, this is the essence of true faith. He simply took God at his word without having the benefit of all of his questions answered. He did not know exactly where he was going or even when he would arrive. But he was absolutely convinced that it was God's call. And that is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, in his case, not yet seen. It's not only an immediate step of faith, it was an immense step of faith. He left everything he knew. 
he left almost everybody that he knew. And he was headed for a place where he had never been. The reality is that the life of faith is a risky life. Because you are stepping out into the unknown without anything more tangible or concrete than the call of God. Question. Do you really need to know where God's call is going to take you in order to obey? Which then leads me to his imminent faith. Our text says something rather profound about the faith of Abraham. By faith, He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Faith was the basis of Abram's response to the call of God, and faith was also the basis of waiting patiently for the fulfillment of the promise of God. I mentioned Acts chapter 7. Scripture says there, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men and brethren and fathers, hearken, the glory of God appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Quran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land that I will show thee. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Quran, and from thence when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein you now dwell, and he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give to him, give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. long in fulfillment. And we're all a rather impatient lot. That's why we pray for patience. Right now! We have tendency to assume that surely a wise and all-powerful God would operate according to our timeline that he would put us where we think we ought to be, the time we think we ought to be there, the way we think we ought to arrive. And I'm here to tell you that almost never happens in the Christian life. Abraham sojourned. The word that is used here in classic Greek meant dwelt alongside. Came more in the Koine Greek to carry the idea of a stranger or a sojourner, and the construction in this passage, he was one who sojourned in too. He went into the will of God and stayed there. Sometimes you will find in the journey of faith that it's hard to continue. But the faith that called you is the faith that will sustain you in pursuing the will of God. 
As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 23 and verse 4, Abraham said, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. He considered himself an alien. He never really settled in. But there was a reason for that, not because of where he came from, but because of where he was going to, which is given to us in this text. By faith, he saw himself as we must see ourselves. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. The reality is that we are way too comfortable in this world. We are way too comfortable with our lifestyle. We are way too comfortable with things being predictable and controllable by us. And my friends, that is not living by faith. This inheritance, was it real? Absolutely. It was a land of promise. Was it given to Abraham and his descendants? Absolutely. Genesis 12, Genesis 13, and Genesis 17 all reiterate the same promise. How could Abraham be content to be a stranger in his own land? By faith alone. By faith in the promise of God. Abraham could be content to live in a tent. He permanently lived in temporary quarters. His whole life, the rest of his life anyway, the rest of his sojourn. And even though this inheritance did not come to Abraham personally in his lifetime, he lived in anticipation of that inheritance, hence the term imminent. God promised. It was so. It always will be. The eminence of receiving the inheritance was passed on to his son and his grandson, dwelling in tabernacles, tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Do you realize that Abraham lived until Isaac was 75 years old? And Jacob was 15 years old before Abraham gave up his permanent temporary residence in a tent? The principle of eminence revolves around the truth that Isaac and Jacob did not inherit from Abraham. God promised it to all three of them at the same time. And therefore they were fellow heirs and the, the promise was imminent for all three of them. By the way, all three of them lived in tents all of their lives, permanently living in temporary dwelling places. But there's a capstone to this. Now, the word sounds similar, but it's a different word, and it has a different meaning. An imminent faith. For he looked for a city 
which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Like more than one Old Testament hero, Abraham's faith looked beyond the present. I appreciated Dr. Marriott's message on Enoch. I love Enoch. You're talking about being farsighted? Study Jude in its context. There's every indication that he saw the second part of the second coming. How many thousands of years in advance? Oh, the Lord cometh within thousands of his saints. How could Enoch that far back? Almost 6,000 years. How could he do that? 5,000 anyway. You cannot sojourn in this life successfully without looking beyond this life. Abraham wasn't just looking for real estate. He wasn't just looking for a Jewish kingdom. He wasn't just looking for a posterity that would exceed the stars of heaven in number or the sands on the seashore in number. He was looking for something way beyond that. And you're never really going to understand, appreciate, value, or live the life of faith until you look past right now and look past this life and this world. Abraham's rest was in a far better place as is ours. His expectations was not to rest in just any city, but he was going to rest in a city whose builder and maker is God. The two words used here, one is for an architect, one who plans and calculates and constructs. The other word signifies a governor, one who uh, forms the institutions and the laws and, and, and governance of the city. The promise of God to Abraham included a posterity and very real real estate and blessings that passed on to the entire human race in the person of Jesus Christ and beyond this life into life eternal in the presence of God in a city that God made just for his children. That's the faith of Abraham. Is that your faith? Is that where you live? I think we've got a couple of minutes here. Would you do something for me? I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to try to get you to walk down an aisle or stand up or raise your hand or any of those things. I just want you to close your eyes and listen for just a minute or two. You see, I am confident that there are people in this room who are in the wrong major. You're in education when you know God wants you in the ministry. Some of you know 
God wants you to preach, but you're afraid. Some of you know God wants you to be a missionary, but the thoughts of leaving the U.S. and your home terrify you. Do you not realize that all of the Christian life is an adventure of faith? Fifty-three years ago, I sat where you sit. I was a chemistry major looking to go out and make my place in the world and, more importantly, make money. I fought the call of God because it was majorly intrusive into my plans and goals. February 27th, 1970, I ran up the white flag and surrendered. It's been an adventure indeed. There's no way in that day I could ever have imagined standing here today and preaching to you. That just couldn't possibly happen. I want to ask you to do something. I may get myself in trouble with the administration. I'll try to work my way out of it. Would you find a quiet corner of this campus when you leave this room and settle the call of God in your life? If you have to miss your next class, I'll beg student life to forgive you. But some of you should be in a pulpit. Some of you should be on the mission field. And you know it. But you're afraid of what the will of God might entail. I'm not going to tell you it's always going to be easy or even fun. But I'm going to tell you that God is going to be there every step of the way and you're going to land where God wants you to be, accomplishing what God wants you to do if you'll just walk by faith and not by sight. It is not the purpose necessarily of Maranatha Baptist University to place every young man in the ministry or pair up young man and young woman and send you off to the mission field. I am not decrying any of the majors here. But I do believe God's calling more people than are answering. And that's some of you. And you're going to miss the best of life. And you're going to miss knowing your God in a way that only those who walk by faith can know him. And I beg of you, for your own sake, for the glory of God, for the need of that two billion people in the world who have no voice at all, for the sake of the now hundreds of independent fundamental Baptist churches across America who do not have a pastor, I beg of you, find a corner 
get alone with God and stay there as long as you need to to get this settled with God. And then just start walking by faith. Father, I thank you for Abraham. What a challenge he is to me. So very often I feel my faith is so weak. I feel myself so hesitant, so uncertain about taking the next step, even when I know what that step ought to be. But Father, would you please, genuinely, relentlessly, trouble some hearts here this morning. So that some people in this room will finally surrender and begin this adventure of faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.